0: Hello, 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 everybody. So good to be with you, to see you this morning. As Pete said, we are all celebrating the first round of the demise of the Lions. It is a good thing. Tatiana Skunmarka, what a beauty, hey? That was a good thing. There's much going on this week that we're so grateful for. Uh, as Pete said, if you're new and you're joining us, my name is Luke, and I'm so excited to be launching our brand new preaching series today called Becoming Emotionally Healthy. But before we do, let me just take a look. i love to, well, if, you, if you can, why don't you switch off, switch on your videos. I just want to take a look to, take a second to look and to see some faces, man. Come on, this is uh, not just a mechanical thing we do. Switch on your video if you can, please. How's it, guys? It's so good to see you. Seaburg, it's so good to be with you again today. I can't tell you how much I've missed being with your beautiful church family as well. South Penn, so many of our, um, just, I miss you. I miss you, and we miss each other, and it's good to be together. We're launching Emotionally Healthy, uh, becoming emotionally mature. And um, let me tell you, before we jump in, let me tell you a little story. You know, the other day, oh, not the other day, a little while ago, my youngest uh, child came home, and uh, he used a phrase that we don't use as a family. He said, oh, my God. He said this. I mean, it's in the car. It really, really happened in the, pastor's, in the pastor's car. And, um, and, uh, and uh, we had it. oh, my boy, actually, uh, hang on. Let's. Where did you hear that, my boy? Oh, a little little Johnny or a little whoever at school said this. And um, and uh, we, had a, we had a coach. Actually, you know, in our family, we don't talk like that because this is what it means. And one of his things, he said, Dad, but I don't understand. At church, people say, my God, all the time. So, yes, my boy, it's true. At church, we do talk about my God. It's, we do, et cetera, et cetera. It's a little bit different this way. And we had a good conversation, I thought it had gone quite well, it was like a, felt like a parenting success in the moment, and, um, and uh, so we moved on, you know, we were clear, we understood each other, about a month home, about a month later he comes home, sorry, and he says, dad, you won't believe it, there's another bad word, and I, this was a serious one, this wasn't, didn't start with the S, this was proper, right, and, um, and so he says, but don't worry, my, you know, it was this person who said it, and my teacher corrected it, and so, so daddy, I know, in our family, we don't say that. Only at church. Uh, whoa, 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 my boy. Uh. Okay, I tell you this story because I want you to know that uh, as I stand before you, sometimes we can think of pastors or preachers as some kind of like different category of human. It's not. This is this is life. We deal with the same things that all of us do. And I want you to know as we look at the series of Becoming Emotionally Mature, it's the series I'm, I've most been excited about this whole year because God is going to do some soul work on me too, as he's going to do it on you. This is a series that all of us need, right? The reality is that very, very few of us in life get taught how to deal with this fundamental aspect of our humanity, right? We kind of just grow up, and we, we, we don't learn this stuff, and so you just kind of fumble through life. But every time you repeat a habit, it becomes entrenched in who you are, and it, and it becomes part of who we are. And the, this journey we're going on is centered on the idea, this is the idea, that maturity in Christ must encompass emotional maturity too. And if we think we're becoming more spiritually mature and we're not becoming more emotionally mature, we're deluding ourselves. We're mistaken. Uh, I want you to know as well that throughout the entire series, we're tracking with Pete Scazzaro's book called Emotionally Mature... let me, let me just get it right. Emotionally Mature Spirituality. Sorry, he's written Emotionally Mature Discipleship, Emotionally Mature Church, Emotionally Mature Leader, and Emotionally Mature Spirituality. We're tracking with the spirituality book. I think there's a slide you can see there, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzera. If you want to buy it and read it, I think it's an outstanding addition to your library. And I'm just giving him all credit for loads of the content that we're going to be sharing over the next five weeks Over the past two years, we've been journeying two years through the book of Mark. It's been extraordinary. And uh, one of the things that we've done in this series, we've looked closely at the life of Jesus. And as we've looked closely at the life of Jesus, just think with me, try and remember, we've seen Jesus in moments of his life greatly disturbed. We've seen Jesus weeping, weeping at the graveside of Lazarus, weeping over the state of Jerusalem. We've seen Jesus angry, angry at the disciples, angry at the commercial abuse of the temple. We've seen Jesus in other instances astonished. We've seen Christ longing to be with his disciples. We've seen Christ's heart break with compassion. We've seen Jesus rejoicing as well. All this to say, these are just to name a few, Jesus was fully human and he felt the full gambit of human emotions. I mean, sometimes we think about Jesus a little bit like... A little bit like Clark Kent, you know, Superman. Like, like on the outside, he kind of disguises himself to be like an ordinary person. But on the inside, he's really smuggling Superman, right? Jesus wasn't pretending to be human like us. Jesus was fully human, every bit as human as you and I. Everything about Christ's response uh, emotionally was a human response. He was just as human as you and I. Yet simultaneously, Christ was divine, He was 100% God, 100% human being, 100% God. Difficult to get our heads around, I know, but just because we can't understand it doesn't mean that it's not theologically, biblically true. Uh, And so we live in this mystery. When Jesus came to live as a human, God became flesh. He didn't just come to live God's ways on our behalf, but he also came to show us how to be fully human. And so when we study the life of Christ, one of the things among many we can learn is how to deal with our emotions in a godly way. When we look at Jesus, we don't just see how to love, how to serve, and how to care, but we can also look at Jesus and learn how to deal with stress, how to deal with pressure, how to deal with anxiety in life. I think you'd agree with me as South Africans over the last two years, over the last two weeks... Over the last 200 years, right? We, 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 we desperately need a series that helps us to grapple with our emotions because we're constantly facing extreme and, and big emotions in our lives. All of us have got emotional pain. It's true, some more than others. But there's not a human being who does not know and live with emotional pain. And generally, we don't know what to do with it. I think we're okay, generally, with uh, what to do with positive emotions. But what do we do with the negative emotions? In fact, we don't even call them positive and negative. We call them good and bad. We've dismissed some as bad. In fact, in the church, this is true. In, in the church, we have this. I, I don't think we regard negative emotions as we should. In the, in, the, in the church, emotions like sadness and fear and anger can be seen as less spiritual, even worse, as opposed to the Holy Spirit. I think just as a generation of people on the planet, we we struggle to deal with negative emotions. I think the tendency for many of us is to simply run away from them. We, we learn this in Eastern religion, especially Buddhism. A lot of, a lot of where, where we live here, in, in Nutuk and Fishuk and the South Peninsula, a lot of Constantia too. You'll, you'll find Buddhas, uh, little Buddhas in homes uh, around where we live. But a lot of Eastern religion shaping how people live and think. It's the idea that, um, uh, that all suffering is the byproduct of uh, desire and attachment, Right? That we desire things, we become attached to things, and we, uh, we care deeply about things. It's so true. The, the problem is where we differ here is the notion that the way we deal with pain is to detach from it in Eastern religion. And so we kind of like Jedi Knights, you know, the Jedi Knight way of doing things. We let go. We transcend. We, we be free. We detach. We rise above it all. My pushback is I think deep down to be human fundamentally is to care. It's not to detach. But when you care deeply about certain things, it opens you up to genuine loss and real hurt. Then there's, uh, we looked at the Eastern understanding. How about the secularist understanding that just says, you know what? Suffering is real. It sucks. And there's nothing you can do about it. Happens, right? You've seen the bumper sticker. That was a terrible whistle. I do apologize. Um, You've just got to deal with it and get on with life and try and distract yourself as much as possible, right? And so we distract ourselves. We medicate. We medicate um, by distracting ourselves with our preferred treatment. That could be drugs, that could be extreme sports could be binge-watching Netflix as you just pull your mind off the thing that your heart is experiencing to just focus on something else. It could be escaping on great holidays. It could be workaholism, money, buying things, sex, hobbies. All of these things can become a form of uh, distraction from our emotional state. How about one last one? The Western escapist approach or Christianity. Much of Christianity, let me say that. And I don't know that you kind of get taught this... Sorry, my voice is a bit squealy because I was shouting at that TV yesterday. It was glorious. Anyway... I don't know that you get taught this, but you kind of, well, I didn't get taught it, but I kind of just grew up learning to think this way, right? That in church or within the framework of Christianity, when you experience loss and pain, we we remind ourselves of truth. We remind ourselves Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. The kingdom of God is here. Anything is possible, right? I'm a part of the family of God. The Father loves me. The Spirit of God is with me 24-7. So whenever sadness or loss or hurt comes knocking on, my door I can tell it to take a hike right now is everything I've just said true 100% true I believe it to the core of my being and and don't get me wrong there really is a time to tell your emotions to take a hike but what happens when you tell your emotions to take a hike and they just go nah I'll stay right here thanks then what then what well then I think basically in church often we just fake it till we make it right we suppress it we ignore it put on let me just put on a worship album that's got some nice upbeat vibey tunes i'll just put on a worship let me let me get a podcast let me get a good sermon i'm going to listen to this thing and what i'm basically going to do is i'm going to find something that makes me feel good to distract myself from what i'm really really feeling until it fails, fades away. But the bottom line is, we basically don't deal with it. We distract ourselves with good things, and we never end up facing, with these things, facing these things. The problem is, if you go through life, if you go through a year like 2020, if you go through a year like 2021, and you never deal with these things, you just press on and focus on the next goal, take ground, the next thing, progress, 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 advance, get more positivity around me, progress you end up accumulating a mass of unhealth in your soul. Because we never stop to look beneath the surface of our lives. I want you to know today, this is not the biblical way. This is not the way of Jesus. Today, we're going to see the first principle in emotional maturity is looking beneath the surface. Looking beneath the surface is the first principle today. Pete Gazzero, in his book, says this: When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. We slowly, we transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Sad to say that this is the fruit of much of our discipleship in our churches. But when I began to allow myself to feel a wider range of emotions, including sadness, depression, fear, and anger, a revolution in my spirituality was unleashed. I soon realized that a failure to appreciate the biblical place of feelings within our larger Christian lives has done extensive damage, keeping free people in Christ in slavery. Elsewhere, Dan, uh, Dan Allender and T- Tremper Longman in their book, The Cry of the Soul, have this to say about our emotions. It's just as I set us up for looking beneath the surface. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear. Through emotional denial, through distortion, and through disengagement. We said through distraction. We strain out anything disturbing in in order to gain a tenuous control of our inner world. We're frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our inner consciences. In neglecting our emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change change comes from brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. God. You get that change comes from brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. As Christians, if we are going to mature into Christ-likeness the way Christ wants us to, we need to learn to look beneath the surface of our lives. It's our big idea today, look beneath the surface of our lives, which means in Pete's book, Emotionally Healthy People, he describes, are those who understand that a person's life is like an iceberg. The vast majority of who we are lying beneath the surface of our lives they invite god to bring their to their awareness here's the thing we invite god to bring to our awareness and transform those beneath the surface layers that hinder us from becoming more like christ you see your emotions are limited in their ability to tell you too much about the outside or external world it's true but they do provide profound illumination as to what's happening within you in response to the external and outside world And this is great because you have very little ability to influence and control the external world. But you have a profound capacity and opportunity to be transformed within your own world. And so these emotions, as we start to listen to them and bring them to Christ, bring us to a place where we can experience radical internal change. The key is we need to learn to read what's happening beneath the surface of our lives. I am realizing as a pastor and as a Christ follower that I can do an incredible amount of spiritual good spiritual activity. Reading my Bible, memorizing scripture, praying, going to church, serving others, practicing simplicity, giving generously. All these things are good things and I agree that they are part of every mature Christ follower's life. But I can do all of those things and still never look beneath the surface of my own life to see what's happening in my inner world. In spite of all this spiritual activity, which is profoundly good, I can be oblivious and even in denial to what's really happening within my soul. Which is why, as Pete says in his book to to, to leaders, he says, You can be a gifted speaker for God in public and still be a detached spouse and an angry parent. You can function as a leader and yet be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. You can quote the Bible with ease and yet be unaware of your own reactivity to others. You can fast and pray regularly and yet remain critical of others, even justifying it as discernment. You can lead people for God when in reality your primary motive is the unhealthy need to be admired by other people. Last one, you can, hurt, you can be hurt by the unkind comment of a coworker and justify saying nothing because you avoid conflict at all costs. So where do we begin this journey? Where do we begin this journey toward emotionally matured, to emotional maturity? Let's start by asking Jesus to teach us to look beneath the surface of our lives. If you've got your Bibles near you, why don't you open up to Matthew chapter 26, please. Open up to Matthew 26. As so we look at Jesus' prayer um, in the Gethsemane Garden. Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Jesus is about to be betrayed. Jesus is about to be arrested. He's about to be abandoned. He's about to be tortured and finally crucified. We're talking about stress and fear and anxiety and dread. and Hopefully the worst moment any of us uh, would ever face in our lives. It's, it's worse than anything we would ever face in our lives. So what does Jesus do with this? Take a look at Matthew chapter 26. We're reading from verse 36. Find your way there. As we read, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, as you will. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before your word, Jesus, we look at you in your life. As we look at you in like, the worst moments of stress and anxiety and pressure and fear that I think could happen in a human's life. Jesus, will you teach us h- how to be fully human in a godly way? Teach us how we can process our dark nights of the soul with you and find your will And you're always on the other side of these moments in our lives, God. Amen. Okay, first thing I want us to see here before we get into the points is, number one, Jesus began, sorry, not number one, just before, Jesus began to feel sorrow and be troubled. Do you see that? Most of us, when we think of approaching the presence of God, Jesus was about to approach the presence of God. Most of us, when we think of approaching the presence of God, we think we're going to begin to feel happy. and, 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 And all these good emotions or positive emotions, Yet Jesus, as he begins to approach the presence of God, begins to feel sorrowful and troubled. As Jesus draws near to God, this, his soul, this deep kind of visceral internal part of his being becomes deeply troubled. He says it's overwhelmed to the point of death. Can you imagine what Jesus is feeling in that moment? Jesus right now knows the cross is coming for him. He is dreading it. It's terrible pain. And, and, and to the point where it's overwhelmed his emotional state. Have you ever faced something like that? Something so, so painful, something so monumental that it overwhelms your emotional state. Jesus is feeling overwhelmed. What do we do? What can we learn from Christ? Number one, the first thing we learn from Christ is this. Jesus doesn't isolate from his trusted companions. Jesus doesn't isolate from his trusted companions. He doesn't just go off on his own and disappear from life group or church for three weeks, you know, because he's going through something difficult. He doesn't just disappear on his own. They're there with him. They're close enough to witness, uh, to not just see, but to hear what Jesus is saying. Otherwise, these things would never have been recorded. We could never be reading them now. We read this because these guys were close enough to see what Christ was fully experiencing. Yes, he was in a place of intimate, personal prayer with the Father. But also true, he wasn't cut off from his trusted companions. He's in earshot. I think it's just worth stopping and asking you the next time that you are walking through the dark night of your soul, Who are the trusted companions that you're committed to taking with you? Because everything in our culture would drive us towards isolation and being alone. In fact, Christ models to us personal prayer with God, yes, but not cut off from your trusted companions the second thing we see in Christ here is Jesus is aware of his emotions Jesus is aware of what's going on beneath the surface of his life he says my soul is overwhelmed to the point uh, sorry my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow Jesus is able to name his emotions right he can name what he's feeling to borrow an incredibly corny phrase from the 90s Jesus is in touch with his feelings right right We've got to see this. If you're, it's, it's right about now. If you're anything like me, you're tempted to die light. You think, oh, really? Is this really important? Oh, is this really spiritual? It is. Right now we're learning from Jesus how to live as a human being. Notice that Jesus doesn't suppress his emotions. He doesn't deny his emotions. He doesn't distract himself from from his emotions by like kind of reading some sort of feel-good scripture or putting on a worship song or anything like that. He doesn't do that. He is aware of everything that he's feeling, and he's able to even give it a name. I mean as a as a South African, Jesus got a vocabulary for his emotions. As a South African dude, I'm realizing I've got a long way to go in learning from Jesus here. I thought emotions were just mad, sad, and glad. But yet there's a whole vocabulary that's that that's there to 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 articulate what it is you're feeling. And Christ is aware of his emotions. Notice too. Before we go on, what does this look like in our lives? Well, so he's able to name the emotion that he's experiencing, but he's also, in looking beneath the surface of your life, you also need to be able to understand how what it is you're feeling is working its way out in your habits and your behaviors and so so, so what you 're feeling manifests even physically in our lives and in your habits, so maybe suddenly you find yourself, geez i 'm binge watching more series than I ever used to maybe maybe I, I, I was fine with one or two glasses of wine, normally, but jeez now i 'm why, why is my drinking gone up? Why, why am I suddenly hitting the hooter all the time today? What is going on in my life? Why am I struggling to sleep? Why am I struggling to concentrate? This is happening more than usual. Looking beneath the surface in your life is not just being aware of what you're feeling, being able to name it, but it's also being aware of how it's impacting you in your body as well. As we look at Jesus, we see maturity in Christ is growing in our uh, emotional self-awareness. The third thing we see here is Jesus is not only aware of what he's feeling, but he's aware of why he is feeling it. This is crucial. Jesus is aware of why he is feeling the way he's feeling. As human beings, do you know this? As human beings, we are the only creatures on the planet who have the capacity to think about what we think about. It's one of the things that makes us human. We're in the image of God. We can think about what we can think about. Jesus not only knows what he's feeling, but he knows why he's feeling that way. He knows the cause. He says, if this cup can be taken from me, it's this thing that's coming. This is why I am feeling the way I'm feeling. Jesus is aware not only of his emotions, not only of why he's feeling what he's feeling, but he's also aware of his desires too. What we learn here is in looking beneath the surface, it's not just about knowing what we're feeling, but we need to know why we're feeling that way too. Looking beneath the surface asks the why question. Man, I'm really feeling hyped up. I'm really feeling down. I'm really feeling indifferent. I'm feeling blech, which is actually a real word. You, you type it in your thing, B-L-E-G. It's a real word. And I think it articulates how many of us are feeling during COVID. But, but here's the thing. Now that I know what I'm feeling, I then ask myself, why am I feeling this way? And Jesus does it in the presence of God. Why why am I feeling so black this morning? Why why am I why am I so angry with my my friend, my spouse, my parent, my child? Why why am I so why? etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And we ask the why question. And here's what you discover sometimes the emotional trigger. That led to the emotion is this big and the emotional response is this big and, and you begin to to see that whoa, this is disproportionate and then what you do is you ask why a few more times why am I so angry and critical of others why is it that when I'm alone I feel compelled to pick up my phone or turn on the tv Why is it that I dread this meeting every week? Why do I feel so driven to succeed? We've got to start to ask the why questions, because until you know the answer to the why question, you cannot surrender that part of your life to Christ. And until you surrender that part of your life to Christ, you will not be able to begin the journey toward emotional maturity in Him. So Jesus is aware of what, but He's also aware of why. But then catch this. Number four, Jesus prays His emotions and His desires to God. Jesus prays his emotions and his desires back to God. Maturity in Christ means we pray honest prayers to God. Having come face to face with the state of his soul, he then prays his feelings and his desires to God. He says, "God, if this cup can be taken from me. If there's any other way, God. I I my 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 my, my desires, I don't want is there any other way, God? You and I, we, we can be so prim and proper in our prayers, can't we? we? we rather pray what's right than what's really true of what's happening in our souls. And what we see in Christ is we bring all of our desires, not just the easy ones, to God. Prayer is the place where we can be completely honest before God. In light of His grace, we can bring Him all of our emotions all of our desires. I I just want to be clear. Jesus never had a sinful desire in him. You and I, though, we have plenty. And and what I'm getting to is, what what would happen if you were to bring God all of your desires? All of them. Instead of denying them, hiding them, Kidding yourself about them, repressing them. I mean, if you can't bring them to God, where else can you take them? They will simply remain in your life. We bring these dark parts of who we are in, in, in authentic, in real honesty to God. And we know that there he meets us with grace. And it's there that healing can begin. It's coming to God in honesty as well, we see with Christ. And lastly, number five from Christ, we see that Jesus gives God his trust too. Jesus gives God his trust too. He says, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. God, I feel like this right now. If if this cup can be taken from me, if there's any other way yet, this is my deepest desire. But deeper than that. God, I want to obey you. I want to live in your will. I feel like this right now, but God, I want to do your will. Although I feel like this, God, I trust you. I want to follow you. And he surrenders his emotions to to the Father. He surrenders his desires to the Father, and he trusts the Father in this place. And it's in this place of honest surrender and deep trust that God meets him there. And that's where God meets you and I as well. It's in this place of pain that Christ meets with the Father. Did you see what Jesus, called God there he says my father in this place of anguish of soul Christ meets with his heavenly father Jesus before his father is aware of his emotions he's aware of why he's feeling what he's feeling he's aware of his honest desires before God he surrenders them to God and he brings them to God in trust and it's here in this place that Christ receives clarity about God's will for his life It's here in this place that God empowers him with grace and strength to live out God's will in the massive trial that's coming before him. Five things in looking beneath the surface of our lives. Okay but it's not that easy, right? Why is this so difficult in your life and in my life? Why is this so difficult? I uh, just was skimming here and I've got three reasons. Number one, I think we're just so busy. We're just so busy to slow down. We've got so much going on in our lives that we, we never get to stop and go deep, right? But just remember, one of the reasons we're so busy is because we're distracting ourselves from facing the very things that we need to face, right? The solution here it's simple but it's very difficult we simply have to carve out time in our lives to process these things with God it's just too important not to the second reason I think we don't do this is I think we're scared to look beneath the surface as I preach this my life group is sitting just to the left here they will tell you how long it took me to start my emotionally healthy journal which I have now started guys by the way it's here They'll tell you how long it took me to start this book. Do you know why it took me so long? It wasn't just that I was too busy. It was that I simply was afraid of what I might find when I really started to look beneath the surface and the kind of cans of worms I might start to open and discover. But if I don't open them, I'm never going to get rid of those worms, you know. We've simply got to do this because if we don't, we will be forced to when eventually our emotions will be screaming at us and taking over our ability to be in control in that area of our lives. Lastly, I think we don't do this. It's so difficult because we're uncomfortable with pain. More than any generation who has been before us, we are uncomfortable with pain. I cannot stand to be in pain, even to slow down and stand before Jesus and ask the hard questions and so I settle for praying shallow prayers like God can't you please just take these feelings away can't you take these feelings away to my parent to my colleague to my spouse can't you take these feelings away God I'm so angry at just take it away God yet God almost never answers those prayers does he God is so loving that he refuses to change our emotions because he's so much more interested in changing our hearts and our lives. We've got to learn to be in this place of discomfort in his presence. Okay. Now you know the kind of opposition you're going to face when you go out this week and put this into practice, but we must do this. Last question. How do we practically incorporate this into our everyday lives? For the next five weeks, here's my challenge to you. I want to encourage you to look beneath the surface of your life by making this part of your daily routine. Check out the slide on the screen there as you go. I'm talking about integrating, looking beneath the surface of your life into your bedtime prayers every night before you, but, so for me, the last thing I do before I go to sleep, is I'm reading, it's a habit I do, I read through biographies, and so now, before I read that biography, I'm in, I've instituted this habit into my life, I'm doing my, I don't know what to call it, my emotional maturity journal, something, I don't know what to call it, please don't get, let's not get stuck on the what the label, right, here's what it is. It's three simple questions to answer every day. And, uh, and what you can do is you can download from the next steps of this sermon and this, uh, this Sunday's meeting, you can download your own one, uh, that little wheel there that you can see is such a profound gift to us because it gives us language for naming our emotions. Uh, but all I do before I go to bed now is I ask three simple questions. Number one, what was the loudest emotion I experienced today? What was the loudest emotion I experienced today? And I picked just, just, I picked a very small book deliberately so I don't have to write lots, right? So you can write as much or as little as you like. Yeah. If you love to write, you Get your A4, right? For the rest of us, we're on these little mini guys, right? And what was the lightest emotion I felt today? Number two, why did I feel this way? Why did I feel this way? And then if you discover that the emotion you felt was disproportionate to the trigger behind it, then you ask why a few more times. Now you've answered the first two. Again, as many or as little words as you like. And number, number three, the last question is, what is going on within me that Jesus is trying to change? And this is where the action happens. This is where Christ meets us. In this place, first and foremost, this is not just about discovering your feelings. It's about being able to bring the internal reality of who you are fully to the person of God and being transformed in that place by Him. What is the loudest emotion I experienced today? Why did I experience it? And what is it that Christ could be trying to say or transform within me? And here's the thing, you will discover along with me that our souls are more broken and more needy than we ever thought. And at the same time, our God loves and accepts us more than we ever even dreamt, just the way we are. But in that place of honest vulnerability, he transforms us too. Okay, I think we've got one last slide. If we can stick that one up, Angie, it's the, it's the summary slide of everything. If you want to take a screenshot, if you're on your cell phone, that's why I put that together. It's all the points, all five looking beneath the surface. Jesus doesn't isolate from his trusted companions. Jesus is aware of his emotions. Jesus is aware of why he's feeling what he's feeling. Jesus prays his emotions and desires to God. Jesus gives God his trust too. You can download that as well. uh, There's a link in the the chat over here to download your emotionally mature prayer journal too. How awesome is that? Okay, let's land in prayer. If I can invite the band to come up and start to tinkle for us as well in the background. But I'd love to land us in prayer. Jesus, as we begin this uh, journey towards emotional maturity, God. Some of us, we're knocking out the park. Others of us, like me god we 've got a long way to go, Jesus, I thank you that you teach us, and would you teach me jesus would you would you pray that just wherever you 're sitting wherever you 're standing, Jesus would you teach me? would you grow my emotional maturity to, to to along with my spiritual maturity God to those of us who are right now you 're deeply hurting and you 've got This is the dark night of your soul moment. I want to pray for you that as you honestly not cut off from your trusted companions, face what it is you're going through in the presence of God, that He would meet you there in the raw place, in the the hard place and the painful place, that He would meet you there and that He would bring healing and wholeness and comfort to your soul. And that through this, you would become more like Christ. For so many more of us who the dark night is in all likelihood still coming. But we're living day by day through hashtag unrest South Africa. Through hashtag Corona. Not even 2020, not 2021. 2021 through the reality that is this beautiful but broken country that we live in as South Africans every day facing hurts and pains and losses. Jesus, would you teach us? Break us free from a culture of shallow detachment, of distraction, but meet us in the place of honesty and vulnerability as we, with you, God, And in the context of a loving, trusted, biblical community, grow in our emotional maturity as we face these things, as we understand these things, and as we allow them to bring us to you, Jesus. Would you teach us, we pray, as a church, over the next 35 days, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to give you a second just to reflect as the band leads us in song. Would you, as you are there in your home, wherever you are, spend some time doing business with Jesus about what he's speaking to you right now?